good morning and welcome to Talking Books. And today, somehow I managed to volunteer for a special one-hour show, um, as we've been doing all morning, marking the 400th anniversary of the death of William Shakespeare. And if Talking Books doesn't talk about William Shakespeare, then I'm not sure who will be. We won't be having an in-depth discussion about individual plays or long readings of soliloquies. We're taking a slightly different approach and uh, we're giving ourselves the opportunity to talk again to our wonderful crime writer, Claire Donahue, who will be telling us about her latest thriller, which is called Trust No One, um, featuring her detectives, Jane Bennett and Mike Lockyer. So welcome, Claire. Thank you for having me. Um, in the second half of the show, we're going to be looking at Shakespeare as something of a crime writer. He certainly featured a considerable number of ghoulish murders, um, as well as a few suicides. And um, he, if you think of Macbeth, of Othello and Hamlet, um, is part of the reason we read and watch his work the fact that he wrote a brilliant thriller? We might think about that. Um, did he occasionally go a little too far and verge perhaps on a horror story? Um, do get in touch if you're out there via phone, email or text to let us know what you think. Um, it's the usual um, 01984 624 137, um, studio at 10radio.org or text studio and then your message to 07786 202240. And if you picked up on that, well, you were got a pen and wrote very quickly. But anyway, it's all on the website. So we'll be enjoying a little more music than normal as well with Claire's own choice and with tracks inspired by Shakespeare. Um, so let's get on the show. Thank you so much for being part of our Shakespearean edition. It was very brave of you to... <laughs> <laughs> I think I agreed to it before you told me about the Shakespeare yes, angle. <laughs> yes, I think we booked this a long time ago and then I sort of threw it at you. Um, I mean, I've got memories of A-levels flooding back. I don't know about you. I think we've... Not, I wouldn't say flooding back. <laughs> Coming back in dribs and drabs, yeah. So a lot of Googling and, yes. and there's, a, there's a distant memory yes. of, of some of Shakespeare. Yes. I probably know more of his funny stuff than, than his tragedies, I'd say. Yes, I, I, I was the other way around because I did Macbeth twice. Oh, so did you? So I'm, I'm Macbeth. <laughs> all the way. We'll, all we'll, we'll the keep way. referring to that then because well, you're yes, the font we're, of knowledge. We're fine, we're fine. I, can't, I, I saw Kenneth Branagh um, in one of those live streamings at Yeovil oh, yeah. two years ago um, in the cinema in Yeovil and it was utterly fabulous it was brilliant you were so up close with the live action yeah. being I think, streamed I think I saw Jude Law in Hamlet at the Wyndham Theatre in London and that mm. was amazing it was very it was very Shakespeare with that murmur murmur shouting shouting <laughs> so it was all it was very theatrical <laughs> but it was good and yes, he's handsome so thing. that helped Yes, as well. Yeah. As is Kenneth Branagh. The only disappointing thing is occasionally when you're watching them live, they spit. And I can't <laughs> quite... <laughs> the alliteration. Yes. You think, ooh. Anyway, when you agreed to come on the show last year, <laughs> <laughs> we were going to talk about your book because you've just had a new book published, have. haven't you? It's the third in your It's the third series. in the it's third in the series. It's called Trust No One. It came out in March um, and it follows Lockyer and Bennett on their sort of next on their next case. So mm. I think last time I was here we were talking about No Place to Die. Was it No Place to Die? Yes. Book two, yeah. So um and then I'm writing book four yes. uh, at the moment which has a bit of a location change and there's sort of movement down south and all around the Quantocks and stuff so there's quite there's been quite a lot going on yes. and my mind has sort of moved to the southwest but then obviously trust no one is still based in southeast London sort of the Lewisham murder squad so I've yes. had to my, split my brain two ways 
Yes, and it, it must be fun, mm. actually, because one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, a crime series is sort of a crime writer's dream, in a way, yeah. once you get a series going. But I just wondered how you, your ideas for keeping things fresh, I mean, is moving it one of those ideas? It, part, it is partly because of that, <laughs> I think, because um, it is, it's really exciting having a, a series so that you get to know characters, a bit like mm. you would on a, on a soap or something on the television. Mm. You can get Each character can come forward and backward and have, play a different role for each book um but i think in london there is that you know there are there are a mass amount of crime writers and a lot of detectives etc so it's quite a saturated environment Mm. and as i left london gosh it must be like eight years ago now it made sense really to start to relocate the books to where i live um so yeah and i I think that in itself has has had the accident happy accident of keeping things me having to come up with new ideas of Mm. you know who's moving why they're moving you know having a storyline that fits that kind of thing so it has sort of it has helped with the keeping fresh ideas Mm. because actually i think basing your um novels in an area where people love to come and visit yeah i mean bless it south east london isn't really a tourist destination it isn't it isn't other than maybe only fools and horses with peckham and stuff yes absolutely House. yeah different yeah. kind of different perspective on the area maybe but you know the southwest it's like when i read martin edwards i don't know if you've read martin edwards his yeah, lake yeah. district murders because i just love yeah. the lake district exactly yeah. um and i think it's probably the same in the southwest well the southwest is such a big uh, such a big scope you've got like you know cities you've got bristol mm. etc but then you've got the sort of towns and villages and the quantocks mm. and exmoor dartmoor yeah i mean you've got so many that you can mm. sort of feed into for all of the southwest yes. um and i've had really good support from going around and doing sort of festivals and talks in the southwest that it mm. kind of made sense to bring it down here and it's been really interesting what's been quite challenging is that in london you have the you know gritty grimy gray streets and you know a mention of the shard here and there mm. and you sort of your sense of place is easier to do whereas here i'm coming up with different ways to describe a hedge and a tree and <laughs> yes. you know so there's a lot of landscape that yes. i'm not used to having in london mm. um so that's been quite a challenge but but fun i went out with um I went out with a ranger uh, or uh, someone who works for the area of Outstanding Natural Beauty for the Quantox and he took me up and over and drove around everywhere and it was it was brilliant. I saw bits of the Quantox yes. I never even knew existed. And there's a lot of mystical history as well in, there is. in, in the southwest that you can tap into, isn't well, there? Well, that does segue into into ah. the fourth book. It is sort of where fact meets fiction, which mm. is just which is so exciting and I've really been enjoying learning about all the legends and mm. everything that goes with it. So, yeah, I'm really excited about book four. Because for people who, well, actually, I don't think anybody knew last time you came in, you've had a bit of a change in your lifestyle between writing the last book and this one. Um, yeah, so do you, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Well, I had, I, 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 had I had my daughter, so my <laughs> daughter is just off six months old. Yes. So that's been that's been a challenge in as much as baby brain um, is a real thing I'm here to vouch for that (laughs) so all of a sudden someone who's very organised forgetting when appointments are and whether I'm coming or going uh, it happens a lot Um, so she's but she's been an absolute treasure and I've been very lucky so she comes Mm. to most of my events with me obviously she's here with me now being rocked by my mother Um, but she's she's incredibly good and but and fitting her into writing before when I was a full-time writer I would, you know, work for however many months on a book, but would I work every day? Not necessarily. Whereas now that I may have only 15 minutes in between having to sort of look after my daughter, Mm -hmm. you have to focus the mind. And I thought I'm not going to be able to do it. But actually, 
it's been all right I found that I'm able to sort of just focus in mm. get my 15 minutes or get my half an hour or whatever how long it ever she naps for or the jumperoo keeps her happy for um and uh, and I'm able to sort of work between the two which I'm, is very lucky really because you had a change I mean you were an organized person in a previous career were yeah. you? you I mean people may not have heard you on the show last time how did you come to writing just briefly it's uh... oh yeah so I was um I was working as a deputy credit manager in London which is basically a fancy way of saying I was a debt collector in London I used to collect the solicitor's bills for them um, and I was an avid reader and I'd read a read a particular thriller on the way home, a Mo Hayden novel, who mm. also writes in the South where she's very visceral. Um, it's gory, actually. It's really gory. Some yes. of them are really gory. I, I mean, one in a charity shop after I spoke to you last time. Was and it I scary? Quite nauseous. Yes, I made my mother read one. She was she was a bit upset as well. But I mean, I I love them. I think she's a, I think she's a great writer. But so I was sort of inspired by her. So I started writing. Just sort of came home from work and sort of you know tapping away. Mm. And um, I sort of went towards crime because that's what I read. Um, and then I'd put together some sort of scary scenes and then didn't know what to do with it. Well, I had no idea what to do with it, and it was very badly written. So that's when I went into the MA in creative writing at Bath Spa and then from that during the during the MA I learned how to write because um, I think I had the ideas and the imagination mm. but the skill set was lacking um, but I had written uh, Never Look Back by the end of the by the end of the year mm. so and then I, I went straight on to sort of find an agent and a publisher which was very fortunate but that's part of what the um, the MA is all about is elevating mm. you to sort of publishing level mm. And I mean that certainly. I think moving to the southwest, you're 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 going to be fine because you're 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 great at. Uh, I just remember in the last one you describe an alleyway down the side of Tesco's, and yeah. I had that really vivid picture of an alleyway down the side of Tesco's, and I thought if anybody can create that yeah. as a as a real kind of vivid image in people's Well, I think minds, when, I think when they're real places, shops. even though it's yeah. a fictional story, mm-hmm. if you've got real places that people can connect with, and so even if, if you're from the southwest, then you'll recognise areas that I mentioned, Netherstowie, etc. Mm. Um, but if you aren't, um, especially for people abroad, learning about um, local, local history and local legends and all the geographical stuff, I think can be really interesting as a reader as well as the story of the of the crime as it goes along yes because you have to get a balance don't you i've read a couple of yeah. books where the basically the location takes over because yeah cozy crime's a bit more like yeah that, I'm, i don't i just don't think i'm bright enough to do <laughs> to do that <laughs> no, 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 no. i'm not i don't have that sort of <laughs> literary angle there's only so there's only so many ways i can describe a hedge i can't i can't yes. think of something um very clever to say so i asked my mother and she was like oh it's an expensive vista of something or other and i'm like no no this is a crime novel you need to Put the person yes. in the place so they can feel the Quantox and then get on with the story. But you're not Coleridge. No. <laughs> no. Sadly not. No. <laughs> or Shakespeare. No, or Shakespeare. Although, you know, I would have said that your characterizations and things are, you know, you've got, you, you, you do build characters. And what I did notice was that is Jane Bennett moving more to the fore and Mike yeah. going to the back? Is that a yeah, yes, yeah. it is really because I think Mike uh, took the lead in the first book and Jane did in the second book, yeah. and then in Trust No One, the two of them are sort of side by side. But I think I probably do lean more towards Jane because she's a woman, uh, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I en- identify with her more, and I really enjoy um, writing Lockyer. But I suppose the empathetic side of things because I'm very interested in the sort of psychology behind the crime both for the victim and the perpetrator Um, and I think with her as a character women are naturally more empathetic so you're able to get across 
the emotions behind these mm. sort of the, the crimes and the impact that they have whereas i think with um with Lockyer, no, you know, no diss to fellas, but I, I don't think I can. He can be having the inner monologue of the tortured soul in the same way. If you know what I mean? No, it's a different response. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. A previous tutor said to me that I had made him when I when I first sort of started writing Mike because he was the first character mm-hmm. I worked with. Um, she said I had made him too empathetic that he was having his his inner monologue was too feminine oh. um, so I had to really sort of work on that and obviously I'm not a bloke so I don't have an inner monologue of, of a man so it's been that's been sort of a challenge but he was very attractive in the first one I think maybe that's why <laughs> <laughs> he had yeah. that empathetic side to him yeah, that, maybe works, that, that, that works because yeah. both of them have got complicated backstories haven't they they're they do not, it's not as if they're both coming from settled happy family backgrounds yeah I think they both have their, their challenges I mean Jane's a single mother and um, her son Peter who is, turns eight in or turned eight in the last novel um, has autism mm-hmm. and then uh, Mike his elder his elder brother um is uh, Asperger's autistic on the spectrum as well and he's actually in residential care um so and he, and he's also divorced so they both they both have personal sort of personal lives that are that are important so rather mm. than it being just sort of just their work life i want them to be a person as a whole so that so that yes. their cases have an impact on their personal life and their personal life has an impact on their work life just like it would do for you know for real police women and yeah. men and in the last one it was kind of woven into the story wasn't it yeah the the, the mike had a real challenge exactly um, yeah exactly his brother was woven into the story yeah. not giving any spoilers away because it is no a terrific spoilers. read no spoilers but oh, it's, thank you it's uh it's definitely one of those reads where you, you you build up towards the end and you kind of hope that maybe everything will work, work out. out exactly and you yeah. want i want i want my readers to sort of care about the characters yes and you know that, that's i guess that's the whole sort of trick is to is to make yeah. these people real yes and i did i, I was having a look on uh, the dreadly amazon because i we don't plug amazon on here if we can possibly help it um <laughs> but it was uh it definitely says jane bennett and mike lockyer now as the series yeah. is that a, is that a conscious thing or is that a publisher thing no I didn't even that? know they'd done that so oh, yeah right. I, I, I did notice but no that, that no that wasn't sort of conscious no. I think it just has naturally has naturally gone that way mm-hmm. and I think as the series evolves you know certain characters will sort of fade and more mm. will come to the fore because there's a whole team of them so yeah. th- that's what's really lovely is there's a cast of characters to draw from and people mm. who perhaps had like a walk-on part as it were in the first book and never look back have now become more important um yes. which which is interesting because it's as i as i get um i suppose better at writing as i sort of learn what i'm doing more and more with each book it means that i can create more realistic characters i can mm. put more into them i'm better experienced to know what i'm doing whereas i think when i first when i first created mike um i was very inexperienced and so there there are certain aspects of him that if i were to create him again i would change mm. that that um you know he's sort of he's quite maverick a little bit in the first book which i think is probably a bit more stereotypical than i would have liked but because you're you know you, you have to start somewhere yes, essentially and you're influenced by other things that yeah, you sure. read yeah certainly. for sure so you're yeah. doing i'm doing my best and hopefully with each book every character will become more colorful and more detailed and i will get better with each yes. book it's quite must be quite difficult as you write more and more of them though to 
keep tabs Crack. on all oh, the yeah. characters and what well, they did in the previous especially books. with a baby brain that has been a yes. challenge so i because before i would remember most of it whereas now uh, i'm lucky if i remembered my name so i have i had i do have a characters list that says who everybody is who what their family background is how old they are when their next birthday is you know likes and dislikes and stuff like that just so that i can keep track because if i happen mm. to have mentioned that Lockyer likes poodles i don't think i have mentioned that although <laughs> i might i might i might right. put that in but if i've said that then you know a reader will remember that you know four books along they're going yes. to remember if he all of a sudden said he likes actions or whatever so yes. that, you know it's something you have to write down otherwise it just disappears from your mind and i'm doing more and more proofreading now to, to as i write mm. simply to to pay bills and boring things like that and I do notice that one of the great flaws if people are writing books that are more than 200 pages long is that occasionally I'm going hmm <laughs> I don't think that ties in with what you said, said on, earlier on page 25 totally you know it's it's really difficult even in the space of one book yeah to, to maintain the um you're very good at that Eddie you put put post notes in front of me and I'm all all distracted now oh sorry but don't know about yeah. baby brain <laughs> no, 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 no so you're listening to that and uh, you never know yours your books might appear as a subject on mastermind mightn't they well that'd be great mm. and uh, yeah so they'll be asking questions and it's all got to fit together hasn't it you know specialist subject yeah. Yeah. yes have you thought about having them on the television at all? They must pass through your I, brain. I have, I have. Who I think, you'd want to play them? I think. I mean, I can't even imagine who would play them because because Lockyer is um, Jeff Goldblum in my mind. Oh, I think I've said that. before. I don't know why, he but wasn't that's, in that's, mine. that's who he is. But I don't know who Jane is, and so no. I think I see different actors and stuff sometimes. and think, oh, I, I quite like them. Or but things like the way that Luther was shot, the way that the fall yeah. was shot, things like that. I would love mm. it if um, the books were serialized at some point yeah. to that kind of style because I, I, that's what i really enjoy um but yeah no i can't think of actors but i do friends and friends and people on twitter contact me and say oh i think so and so would be great yeah. or um someone suggested idris elba for for Lockyer, and i was like well I'm, why not he's already luther i'm not sure <laughs> no, i'm not sure we, we can borrow go, him we could go somewhere um, else but yeah someone equally brooding. attractive i'd be yes. i'd be happy with but yeah i mean i would love that it would be amazing to to get something on the television it, there's there's quite a lot of crime on the television and finding yeah. a new way to present it because yeah actually i mean my husband and i have great fun now because over the years we've watched these programs you see somebody who's been murdered in one series pop yeah. up in another yeah completely and you think oh i've seen them before they were a yeah. corpse in midsummer well, once, murders well once, or... some, well once somebody has um been you know a cop on one program yeah they tend to then appear mm. on everything for the next sort of you know couple of years and then somebody else will come in so yes there is there is i think there's a lot of repetition it's the same pool and it is very hard because mm. as shakespeare started us off you know there's only so many ways you can cause murder and mayhem yes and, and he didn't have most of the means that we have today in order to no, exactly. perpetrate the crimes yeah but he didn't have to worry about you know copying folk because nobody was no. doing as much as he was no so he was the, he was the starter off but now we all have to worry about you know and i think we, copying but also going too far because yes. because everything's been done um i mean i know he had like gouging out eyes and things yes but i think these days I per I personally don't enjoy it if it goes that far. I don't I don't think it's necessary. But I think a lot of a lot of crime that I've read does tend to go quite far in the sort of how things how people are murdered to give it a different angle or a different yes. different look from you know last week's. If you have a, a few different ones, I know my mum's a great fan of M C Beaton. Oh yeah. Um, who can rattle these books out at a rate of knots mm. in various 
different sorts of quality in, in my humble opinion <laughs> yeah uh, but she has to find very novel ways of, of bumping people <laughs> bumping off. people off and people yeah. don't mind because they half expect it if something like yeah. some murders or or agatha raisin well exactly but, yeah um in yours if somebody choked on a piece of quiche it would be laughable well, it, well exactly it? the sort of reality of, of of how often people are murdered or even if people are murdered it tends to be by a spouse and you know mm. it's far more sort of not mundane because obviously someone's died but it, it isn't as fantastical as it is in literature or in fiction rather but you know you've got to you've got to sort of stretch the realms of belief in order to make it exciting and fun without yes. going too far and making it loony and there's probably a few more serial killers on the loose oh, in yeah. fiction than there is there's tons, one there's, hopes. There's in tons in the UK. Who knew how many there were? <laughs> They're all over the place. I think they. I think it says something on the review. One of the reviews of this one that this one, your latest one, trust no one, which we mustn't forget to keep mentioning, oh, yeah. is um, has only got one murder in it. It does well because uh, in books one and two, in Never Look Back and in No Place to Die, there was quite a high body count in both. <laughs> um, for number three, for trust no one, I thought. I wanted to try something different and really sort of have one murder mm. as an over arc of the story. Um, I was trying to be terribly clever. And then when I started writing it, I found that's quite tricky because having creating pace and tension yes. when the dead body's sort of already at the beginning of the book was mm. quite hard. So it was a huge challenge writing book three and I did find it quite hard. Um, uh, but it was it was so enjoyable just because it was a different way of looking at things. Yes. I was able to look more into the sort of the person who died into their life and, and the psychology behind it and the impact mm. it had on their sort of family and friends. And so it was a totally different way for me mm. to write. But I think I think it's worked. I have had messages from people um, on Twitter and Facebook since, since the book came out. And in the acknowledgements, I'd said how hard I found it and that I was worried. Um, I was worried about the pacing, etc. Yeah. And I have been contacted by quite a few people saying it's you've got the pacing there. It's like you just have to create it in a different in a different way. Yeah, it isn't. I mean, you're young, so I mean, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. You're young, young. And um, you know, Lockyer and Bennett could go on for some time, couldn't they? Yeah. In, but do you? feel yourself wanting to maybe branch out like some other crime writers have done you could use a pseudonym and write something completely different or do you feel like you're comfortable with them for a while yet I think I'm comfortable with them for a while yet I think if I got to the stage where I thought I've done all I can or I've got I've got to the best I can be mm. then I'd think about it but and I think until I can sort of say to myself you've really nailed this then I want to keep mm. I want to keep going and keep getting it better and and also because I'm as trite as it sounds, I'm getting to know them better with each yes. book. So now um, my mother was reading an extract from the fourth book yesterday and she said, you can hear them now. The, 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 the oh, conversation right. flows, their dialogue flows because I know how they interact. Obviously mm. they're fictional people, but they, they interact in a certain way because I now know who they are as characters. Mm. And so it is nice being able to get to know them even better and then you know either a case or a personal issue how they would react to that different yeah. to you or I or to anyone else to make them individuals and I think a lot of crime writers um, say that in the end when they know their characters well enough the characters take them on through the book rather than yeah. having to plan it in a yeah, to, yeah, to a certain extent. That I think um, Jane Bennett's mother is her own character within mm. the book, without question. And I know what she's going to say, but she, it almost comes to me as I'm writing it. What yes. kind of thing she'd say, mm. and then Jane rolls her eyes and or puts her head on the desk, or you yeah. know, is exasperated. Um, but she, but she is her very much her own character. So I haven't really had to create her in the same way. I haven't because normally with characters, I would write down 
their vital statistics and then yes. ask myself a million questions you know where do they shop do they take their own bags to the supermarket you know stuff like that to yeah. sort of flesh them out but with her I haven't had to do that she sort of arrived fully formed which yes. is weird so you've got the fourth one on the go you've I literally do. only just launched the third one I have are you aiming for like a book a year is that, that, the, that is the what the plan? publisher that's what the publisher wants and and it is fairly standard I think the series that you need mm-hmm. to get a book a year um to, to you know to so that you can start to sort of build up a following hopefully mm. and you know move the series along so yeah a, a book a year but this one is slightly later on delivery than the first to three mm. so um it, instead of a march launch it'll be a may launch next year which will be nice because it'll be a bit warmer yes it's always nice yes and um i've just got a question on that obviously i'm not a writer and but um someone out there might wanting to write do you say a book a year yeah but how much that's you writing time because presumably once you've written the novel it's got to go to the publisher and then yeah. there are you know, there's re- a, you know there, there must be some toing and fro there is there's a big lead in so if i hand the book in i've got to hand in my first draft at the end of may so once that's in um obviously you've got a whole year until it actually comes out so we will be editing going back and forth copy editing they will start looking on covers titles all that kind of thing and then it will be nailed down by about september october and then proofs would come out in sort of november time to go for reviews um and then it's sort of the build-up for printing and everything for it then coming out the following may so there is quite a long a long sort of lead-in for a book for the book to come out which which is good in a sense because even though obviously i've got a tight deadline um i know that once i've got the sort of hundred thousand words in the bag Mm moving stuff around and playing with it once you've sort of created it is much much easier than Mm. the sort of creative process at the beginning so at least I would have until sort of at least September over the Mm. summer to really get started but of course once I finish that as soon as you finish the copy edit that's when I need to then be working starting on the next book because obviously you have to get that one written before the following May before the hand in so trying to time that around children and festivals and um, uh, Mm. you know not crying <laughs> <laughs> writing fiction definitely can be a full-time job obviously yes. more full-time yeah. than i thought even though i'm delighted and i would never change it but uh, yes. it's getting more full-time the more you do yes which absolutely is, which is yeah. i suppose the build-up isn't it is the, the people yeah. will read the fourth one and then go back and read one two and three and you'll have comments from them as well exactly well, so. and but the, as soon as the book comes out people have read book three people have read trust no one and emailed me and said oh i've loved that when's the next book out and i'm like well, i haven't finished it yet <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. So, um, so yeah. So people want it a year before you've uh, you've actually you finished actually, it. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking for twenty five minutes already. We I are mean, we are good. We, we are, are good. good. We are pros. no troubles with an hour. <laughs> so what we want to do now? It's I, I was Claire's choice of music for at the end of her sort of most um, uh, the most important segment of the show for Claire. Um, doesn't feel very Shakespearean, but I thought of a really good link because actually I'm going to let her introduce it. But uh, I think the person who uh, wrote and sing, sang this song is probably one of the very best wordsmiths, a comic wordsmith, I would say, but who also could bring a lot of sadness and pathos mm. into into her work as well so do you want to introduce why you've chosen this piece and and what it is i've chosen i don't i don't know the name of it it's the ballad of ballad of brenda or something isn't it frida and barry Barry. it's barry and frida that barry and frida it's a victoria wood um song and it's in memory of her because i 
absolutely adored her yeah, and I was so really saddened I. to hear of her death it's so been a bad week. and I and this this is one of those songs that I walk around the house singing yes and in fact a friend of mine texts me to say I've just heard that Victoria Wood died it made me think of you because you annoy me so yes. much singing that song constantly but yeah I just think she was amazing she was she was funny she was heartfelt she was yes. incredibly incredibly talented yes. and you know so humble and she yes. just I've never met her I would love to have met her but she seemed so lovely and genuine yeah so I thought this would be a nice sort of tribute to her and the line about the women's weekly is going to go down is, in the is brilliant <laughs> well I wondered I wondered if it was appropriate for a morning radio show and then I thought you know children aren't going to be so. listening about that it'd be so. fine <laughs> anyway thank you Frida and Barry sat one night The sky was clear, the stars were bright The wind was soft, the moon was up Frida drained her cocoa cup She licked her lips, she felt sublime She switched off gardener's question time (laughs) Barry cringed in fear and dread As Frida grabbed his tie and said Let's do it, let's do it Do it while the mood is right I'm feeling appealing I've really got an appetite I'm on fire with desire I can handle half the tenors in a male voice choir Let's do it, let's do it tonight But he said, I can't do it I can't do it, I don't believe in too much sex This fashion for passion turns us into nervous wrecks No derision, my decision I'd rather watch the spinners on the television I can't do it, I can't do it tonight So she said, let's do it, let's do it Do it till our hearts go boom Go native, creative, living in the living room this folly is jolly Bend me over backwards on me hostess trolley Let's do it, let's do it tonight But he said, I can't do it, I can't do it Me every breathing days have gone I'm older, feel colder It's other things that turn me on I'm imploring, I'm boring Let me read this catalogue on vinyl flooring I can't do it, I can't do it tonight So she said, let's do it, let's do it Have a crazy night of love I'll strip bare, I'll just wear stilettos and an oven glove Don't starve a girl of a palaver Dangle from the wardrobe in your balaclava Let's do it, let's do it tonight I can't do it, I can't do it I know I'd only get it wrong Don't angle for me to dangle My arms have never been that strong Stop pouting, stop shouting You know I pulled a muscle when I did that grouting I can't do it, I can't do it tonight Let's do it, let's do it Share a night of wild romance Frenetic, poetic This could be your last big chance To quote Milton, to eat Stilton To rolling gay abandon on the tufted Wilton Let's do it, let's do it tonight I can't do it I can't do it, I've got other little jobs on hand Don't grouse around the house, I've got a busy evening planned Stop nagging, I'm flagging You know as well as I do that the pipes want lagging I can't do it, I can't do it tonight Let's do it, let's do it while I'm really in the mood Three cheers, it's years since I caught you even semi-nude Get drastic, gymnastic, wear your baggy white fronts with a loose elastic Let's do it, let's do it tonight I can't do it, I can't do it, I must refuse to get undressed 
I feel silly, it's too chilly to go without me thermal vest. Don't choose me, don't use me. My mother sent a note to say you must take excuse me. I can't do it, I can't do it tonight. Let's do it, let's do it. I feel I absolutely must. I won't exempt you, want to tempt you, want to drive you mad with lust. No cautions, just contortions. Smear an avocado on me lower portions. Let's do it, let's do it tonight. I can't do it, I can't do it. It's really not my cup of tea. I'm harassed, embarrassed, I wish you hadn't picked on me No barter, non-starter, I feel about a sensuous as Jimmy Carter I can't do it, I can't do it tonight Let's do it, let's do it, I really want to run amok Let's wiggle, let's jiggle, let's really make the rafters a rock Be mighty, be flighty, come and melt the buttons on me flame-proof nighty Let's do it, let's do it tonight Let's do it Let's do it, I really want to rant and rave Let's go, cause I know just how I want you to behave Not bleakly, not meekly Beat me on the bottom with a woman's weekly Let's do it, let's do it tonight <laughs> Right so we've welcomed into the studio. Welcome back. And that was a fabulous, fabulous piece. We weren't listening, though. We'll have to listen on the repeat, which is on Monday. And presumably we'll start earlier, seeing as we started earlier this morning. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yes, so we'll have to listen to that song again on Monday evening when everybody can tune in and hear the repeat. Um, so now we welcome into the studio our own Pauline Homeshore. And how are you, Pauline? I'm fine, thank you. I'm very glad that you're doing an extended talk of books. <laughs> and you've talked books, and we're going to talk a few more books. Yes. Maybe uh, smaller ones. Yes. Let's just keep absolutely. going. Absolutely. And you're going to help us commemorate the Bard for the next 25 minutes. Well, just um, <clears throat> talk about stuff. But uh, I'll be led by you, Susie and Claire, because uh, I don't know that much. I just Google stuff too. <laughs> we all Google, Google stuff. Google stuff. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there in our subconscious somewhere. It's it just that we, we didn't know if we'd feel quite confident enough to hold on for an no. hour. But seeing as 35 minutes of it has gone already, I think mm. we've done pretty well. I think we've done pretty well. Um, now, Claire and I sort of chatted briefly about characters now and characters 400 years ago so there, there must be some continuing relevance for Shakespeare mustn't there in yeah. in uh, in the 21st century or we wouldn't still be commemorating his the 400th anniversary of his death and, and apparently around about this time he may have been born as well so it's the, the same date his death and birth date are the same yes. so we're told the 23rd of April really yes. I didn't yes. know that so it's yes. really seismic it's because we've got the birth death date the Queen's 90th yesterday, St George's Day tomorrow. Um, tomorrow is the day. Uh, it's really amazingly coincidental. Yes, it's a um, very patriotic week. But I think with the... What keeps it relevant is the language. It's got mm. to be the language. Everything he writes makes so much sense. Once you get your ear in... I was saying this the other day to mm. someone, actually. I find if I... Um, go to a play I, I I deeply look forward to it but I really have to concentrate for about 15 minutes to get my Shakespeare ear in mm. yeah. and mm. calm down the head and listen and then you get the flow of it because it's mm. quite quite different from how we speak isn't well it's it? like it's like listening to a toddler mm. a toddler babbles along and you just like, I have no idea yes. what they're saying but their mother or someone who knows them very well 
completely knows everything they're saying. So the antenna is there yeah. to hear that. Not that I am comparing mm. Shakespeare to a babbling child <laughs> but, yeah, at all. Well, but, no, it, but it does, it does that happen. New perspectives if you just sort of jump in, you're sort of thinking, who's saying what? And they're biting thumbs and you've got no idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden you click in and you're like, all right, I've got it. And then, mm. and it's, you know. But it's that sort of third eye thing, isn't it? Mm. Or third ear in this case, which brings brings that voice to you. And, and also what he wrote, it... I mean, in Hamlet, I think Hamlet's the biggest one, isn't it, where there are so many phrases that were never writ before. Yes. And we still use now, yes. you know, in my mind's eye, that yes. sort of thing. And what's the matter? Simple stuff, yes. Mm. And, and you don't think at all where those phrases came from. You just use them. But before mm. he wrote those phrases, they weren't in existence. Which is incredible to think that. That I find yeah. amazing to get my head around because it's so... Um, Wonderful that 400 years later we're still using phrases that make great sense within yeah. our language yeah. and we speak so loosely these days. Yes, and having had a, a, a piece by Victoria Wood, you can actually see that the observational stuff is just yeah. key, isn't it? If you, that's how the characters continue over the years is that it's observing human behaviour and describing human behaviour. And relationships. Like, yes, and... and like you have to do in your fiction, you have to get it right and... Then it lasts if yeah. you, if it's something that can transmit over the centuries. Well, like like something like Romeo and Juliet, you mm. know, the star-crossed lovers thing. You know, that still happens today, ex- exactly the mm. same. Mm. And you know, the, the sort of their, their sort of tragedy, the way that worked out, is I think is really very common in yes. sort of modern society. Slightly different methods, but um, yes. it's, it still happens. So it is very relevant. So it is just about people. He must have been a great observer of people. Yes, he must have been. And I think he found a way of describing um, or showing human behaviour that perhaps, you know, we can still think, oh, I mean, I'm a great fan of Kenneth Branagh and Mm. he speaks Shakespeare as if he was born to speak Shakespeare. Yes, he does. And as if he's Mm. actually talking in a natural way, but Shakespeare's words are coming out, if you get my drift. Um, whereas sometimes you go and well less now I think but older ones were very theatrical and dramatic and perhaps they did perhaps alienate and lose an audience more than I don't know what you think it's interesting because when we were doing our recordings for this this program and over the coming weekend with other presenters um, and Mark this morning Mark Blaker um, read the Henry V speech Mm. Uh, on St Crispian's Day and all that you mm. know, it's a stirring thing we think of Laurence Olivier declaiming from his horse mm. and doing that speech I don't think of Kenneth Branagh <laughs> but, but <laughs> Kenneth Branagh too in his production yeah. which was fantastic and difficult to sort of yes. change and still have beautifully done mm-hmm. when you have Olivia so strongly in your head well Mark this morning read it uh, he did it really quietly mm. and intensely and it's very hard to do. I think he came over beautifully. But we all did a little piece, and I was reading sonnets, and it's terribly hard to make them not sound... And, and put the right emphasis. feeling and yes. emphasis into yes. it. And it makes me admire actors even more than I do in that they can sit around like us looking like regular people and then go up there and become that character. Well, the fact that they can communicate when you said you have to get your ear in, I think if, if Shakespeare isn't done well, it mm. does become the sort of... Oh, it, it's, it, it's the murmur, murmur, shouting, shouting, where, yes. where you just sort of... You, it's <laughs> yes. the ebb and the flow and you can feel yourself sort of dozing off. But mm. when it's done well, it draws you in mm. 
because the stories are so sort of timeless but it's like a very difficult song I think it is a hard Mm. thing to do not everyone can do it which I guess is why a lot of actors sort of you know that's what their their goal is they want to be on the stage and do Mm. do the the, you know the Hamlet speech or something at some point Yes, but I've said this before on Tin Radio but we we saw Simon Russell Beale um, as Hamlet and it was on tour and we saw it in Plymouth uh, but it was the ROC production, and I've never heard the "to be or not to be" speech so beautiful. All mm. of it beautifully spoken. Now he couldn't be a more unlikely Hamlet if you tried. He's far too old. Mm. He's overweight. He's balding. <laughs> he's fair. Um, all of that. Is he, if he's listening, you love yeah, him. Yeah, I, I love him to bits. <laughs> Simon, <laughs> Simon, I do love you. To Simon, Simon. Not that you much care <laughs> yes. about that, but um, he. I'm sure would admit that he is not the most obvious or um, logical Hamlet in the entire world, but his speaking of the words was sublime. Mm. It's the first time I've really understood the to be speech, which is really hard to make not sound obvious yes. and he didn't he was well, they're like stereotypes again in crime yes. fiction crime mm. fiction is plagued with stereotypes mm. and in Shakespeare you know doing that speech without it sounding like a stereotype or something oh. that you've seen a million mm. times before right. is so is so hard to do mm. they've just they, they have a talent that is enviable it, it is sure. wonderful isn't it yeah. I, I think uh, for me um, I know people love opera and so on and so on but for me it's the stage and I could be sitting in the RSC at the beginning of a play and could die happy I've said this to Bob frequently you know I, let me die now the, <laughs> the metaphoric curtains going up and they're just going to come up because you know that those people are standing there doing this thing for you and then it's gone in two and a half hours time mm-hmm. and you've been the only people along with the other 400 in the thing uh, who've experienced that fantastic skill that's coming over yeah. it makes you I forget know. about anything else I saw Leah in Bath I think it was last year and sort of at the end, everyone just sort of sat and nobody mm. moved for a bit because everybody oh, was really sort yes. of touched by so, it. And it's, mm. I, th- I think there's certain things, you know, on, on sort of television and theatre where you're thinking about the actors. or, yes. or but, And then there are certain actors on stage and on screen who take you in you and you forget about whether it's a play or whatever and mm. you start to really get in, sort of embroiled in the story. Because I think that's amazing. I think, um, you know, that feeling of being stunned at the end of a of a performance or mm. a play mm. particularly in some of his because we are sort of talking about crime and thrillers I think some of those plays where it's been tremendously tense yeah um, I mean some of them have more death in them than others it has to be said but yeah. some of them you know mm. you come to the end of the the play and you almost feel you couldn't clap because there's such a wellspring of yeah mm. of tension sure. really at the end of it. I mean, Lear which is so tragic and yeah yeah I it would be inappropriate almost to clap, wouldn't it? But but are some? How do you lovely. think some of? I, I think some of his crimes have lasted better. You can describe them in the twenty first century better than others. I have to hold my hands up to admit that anybody saying about Polonius being killed in the Arras. It just makes me snigger. I, I can't. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I, I want know. to be really sensible about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's that word Aris, even though you know it's it possibly is. a curtain. You know, you think. <laughs> is it possibly a curtain? It, it's just, you know, where the language loses you in the 21st mm. century. And maybe you could say that some parts get, a, get slightly. Maybe they aren't quite so believable in terms yeah. of, of crime as others which ones do you think really possibly 
stand the test of time as literally a, a could be a crime thriller. Um, God, now you're now you're asking. Here. I I think I think sort of the Romeo and Juliet poison mm. and you know daggers and all sorts. I think I think that would be fairly modern. Well, obviously it was done. There was that um, there was that I can't even remember. There was the film of Romeo and Juliet where it was all guns instead West, of knives. West Side Story. Well, there was West Side Story, and then there was another one. That had Leonardo DiCaprio mm. in it oh. and Claire Danes. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, and that was all done sort yes. of the modern mm. twist. But yeah, no, I think mm. that's I think that's a fairly and, and Othello, I think as well. Oh that, yeah, that jealousy yeah. and that that kind of a, um, a sort of know, recurring Machiavellian themes. horrible feeling that someone is is undermining somebody's mm. trust in somebody all the time. You get that as quite a theme, don't you? I mean, yes, you Claire's do. done a little bit of work for us actually. Totally did um, by looking up some. I went straight to the music, but Claire went and had a look at modern day books that have been based on Shakespearean stories. I did, and there was a very helpful um, article in The Guardian which answered all of the questions for me. <laughs> so um, so I, I wrote it down. Um, so there was Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Uh, that's all about obsession and overreaching, and that's supposedly based on Macbeth and Lear. Mm. And then you've got The Daughter of Time by Josephine Trey is apparently Richard III. I say apparently as I've not read it. Jump in if you've read these. I haven't. Uh, Brave New World, Aldous Huxley is The Tempest. Oh, is it? It is. Um, uh, Cakes cakes and Ale, that doesn't sound right, is it? It Yeah, Cakes and Ale by Somerset Morn is Twelfth Night. Mm. Yeah. Talented Mr. Ripley is Macbeth. Ooh, now that see, makes sense. To I me. can see that. Though. I yeah. can see yes. that one too. Yes. We did Ripley for my for my book group just recently, and it's mm. a, it's it's mm. fantastic because it's really uncomfortable. Very scary. Very scary. Is there a Lady yes. Macbeth in it though? Uh, I'm not sure about that one. No, there isn't actually. No, there isn't. No, Ripley's very much a sort of a loner, isn't he? Yes, he is a bit of a sociopath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I believe anyway, him. we'll believe him. It's the Guardian. Um, <laughs> then there's the Black Prince by Iris Murdoch, which is meant to be Hamlet. Ah, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Dogs of War. Frederick Forsyth is Julius Caesar. Ooh. Yeah, can see that. Wise Children. Caesar. Angela Carter is the Taming of the Shrew. Well, the Taming yeah. of the Shrew's got lots of possibilities because yeah. it's, it's kind of. I think it's sort of feminist. things that have been sort of. Um, oh, and then there's Hamlet. Is um, Agatha Christie's The Mouse Trap? Yes, supposedly. Yes. Um, Where eagles dare, Richard the Third. I think it's the sort of themes Where that they're going. Th- yeah, really? yeah. I couldn't. It's I, not I, just because it's got Richard Burton in it. Yeah, yeah I, I struggled with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's then, the only connection I can <laughs> think of it too, actually. But then I also found that um, Yo Nesbo, um, his new book apparently that he's writing at the moment is going to be based on Macbeth. So, so everyone's actually, at it. Whether whether you've read the books or not, these guys now or in the last sort of couple of you know generations. Mm. Mm. And current authors are still using the themes. Yes. So coming back to your yeah. your question, it's they're they're uh, eternal themes. They yes, and the stories, um, particularly things like Romeo and Juliet, as you said, yeah. Claire, you know, are, are perennial. They are just the yes. emotional. Um, dilemma we always find ourselves well, they, in they, love, death, and well, there was thwarted love, ambition, greed, jealousy, and fear. Gosh, and that yes. supposedly Shakespeare created the archetypes before archetypes were archetypes. Yes. He created them, yes. and then we've all followed on afterwards. Because oh, there was no there was no novel writing culture at the time, was there? No. It was all plays mm. and, and oral oral. Um, sort yes. of expression of these stories, so or religious yeah. sort of mama type sort of. Mm. traditional people but how brave he must have been to to write yes. and put his sort of stuff out mm. there because you know as a as a modern author it's it's 
it's a very exposing sort of profession where you you've it's your work and you put it out there and someone might not like it so you know yes. to be the first of your kind doing that to you yes. know be creating stuff and then you know you have no idea how mm. the public are going to accept it or take it well or... that was interesting because there was a pro going back to victoria wood on the program about her last night she mm. basically said she was the first there was no role model for her yeah and she had no mm. idea that the stuff that she was putting out there that was this observational real life northern humor in a lot of senses yeah was going to strike a chord with anybody and shakespeare must have been in the same sort of position because yeah there had you know there were other playwrights but he's the one that's obviously it's his birthday it's his anniversary it's his it's day it's his anniversary <laughs> yeah Absolutely. we have to talk about he's him. having it today yeah, so go away garrick marlowe webster all those <laughs> yes but, but nobody's lost it like shakespeare let's be honest no you know, looking we, at the the sort of history of his his um his influence and popularity mm. there were there were there's a doldrum century there wasn't there there were people who uh in the Eight, late 17th century 18th, didn't yeah. and mm. early 18th did not care and then there was a resurgence and then there were sort of anniversaries that were cropping up mm. 200 years whatever and and his popularity grew well but Keats was hugely influenced by Shakespeare John mm. Keats the poet of course I'm slightly in of love with of whom you are slightly obsessed <laughs> um, it was hugely influenced mm. and then there were great actors in the 19th century who yes. took on these huge Shakespeare and they're the Sorry, ones I'm doing who the old said, Susie, people like Keane you know mm, who yes, were sort Keen. of mm. so overactory, and that yes. tradition lasted for yonks didn't it yeah. you know people copied those actors mm. as opposed to I think probably some people still do. Yes, Definitely. I think they do. Yes. Yeah. Alas! You can, you can yes, totally you, picture you them doing it. You want a bit of a lass with old Yorick. Yeah. It's mm. not, most of these things are, are always quoted... Um, they're not incorrectly they're quoted, mm. aren't they? That's the word I was searching for. I was listening to Radio Four. I'm sorry, Ten Radio, but I was listening to Radio Four recently, <laughs> and they were interviewing a director who was um, directing Hamlet, and he wanted to get across to his actors... That scene, mm. the alas, poor Yorick scene, because it's done sort of with this jokey thing. And I think the thing that doesn't translate mm. to the 21st century is Shakespeare's humour. It's too then. Mm. And he wanted to put the fear into that sort of scene. Mm. And so actually what had happened was um, someone, I'm, I'm not quite sure in the detail, but someone had... Um, um, adored Shakespeare forever and when they died they willed their skull to the RSC to, oh, to be used in the speech as the prop in Hamlet as as uh, the Yorick skull wow. and it's a bit of immortality for you isn't it? I yeah. know and this was a recent person this wasn't a you know 1783 person and so the director used this and put the fear in the cast on the very first day, they started rehearsing this scene. Yes. And they explained this, and, and they were saying, <laughs> And the way that the director described this yes. setting on the radio was tremendous, because it altered the whole thing. It stopped it being yes. comedy, almost. And, and just a light relief um, in between the deaths. You can, you can imagine after this that the RSC is going to be getting all these skulls yes, through the post. Yes, I was thinking, people willing their bodies. <laughs> yeah, the their body parts. <laughs> like they're overrun with skulls. Yes, look, yes. and hands. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. yes hands. <laughs> they have expanded in Stratford their um, um, 
costume department and presumably props department also yes. because it's been opposite the main theatre in, in quite a small sort of warehousey type location. Yes. And because they've developed the theatre and the the place that was the other space, the courtyard theatre, yes. which has now become a sort of permanent you know, in the round thing. Yeah. They've they've actually enabled more space to occur to accommodate more costumes and so on. So presumably all the heads and hands yes. will go in there. All in there. Well, let's, 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 let's get ourselves signed up then. Yes, absolutely. Well, Why I think not? I'm doing a tour next week, so I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many skulls? Well, your skull's got to be the right size. One would assume if your head's too big, you're just yes. you're not going to make the yeah, cut. Yeah, you've got to be a bit of a sort of like a handful, haven't you, yeah. really? Yes. You've got a good head size. Really? Yes. Yeah. 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 I was, got, I was just nice, thinking. Yeah, you've got a good head shape. We're going. We're going. <laughs> Got slightly off topic. I did, I did sort of mention to Claire that we weren't going to treat this with deadly seriousness, you. but it, it, I, I do love Shakespeare, but I'm not sure that much. You know, <laughs> you know, when I'm dead, what the hell? It doesn't really matter, does it? No, yeah. immortalise. If you are immortalised, I'm not sure I'd want my family to go and see me like that, though. Really, no. Concentrate their minds, wouldn't Hard. it? Hard yes. pressed. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you while you're sitting here, are you thinking of of um, yes. some Bennett and donating my Nokia head. plots? You know, you can just sort of. I'm thinking of some themes. Mm. I'm thinking, well, oh, it, it doesn't all have to be. It doesn't all have to be murder, which is one of the lovely things mm. about my books moving slightly. Is that in Lewisham, it's been the murder squad. So yes. you know, there has to be a body, otherwise the murder or squad wouldn't be involved. A couple of bodies. A couple of bodies. Yes. So whereas um, I'll be moving to sort of CID when. I'm down down south so mm. then it can be sort of different down south so I can do different crimes mm. which will be nice so yeah I'm thinking I might get some Romeo and Juliet in there maybe Lockyer and Bennett can fill those roles do I don't reckon? know do you think people are already hoping that they'll get together I think I, as silly as it sounds yeah I think people well, are so that's how you go through one of the, some of these plays when there's lots of misunderstandings or yeah um, as long as it's not Hamlet and Ophelia where you just think that's never going to work no the, the <laughs> well you were asking earlier about who I thought my characters were and I'd said that I thought m- maybe the only person I could think that was Jane was Cordelia from King Lear because she yes. is really good and I said no that's a real spoiler yeah, <laughs> yeah so she's going to hang herself but she, she's, she's, she is that sort of she is ten- a rule follower and I can imagine her being a very yes. good daughter well she is a very good daughter yes she's trying so, to do the right thing all the time but, but for Lockyer I cannot think who he would be no it could be it could be Hamlet, I suppose. But. Yeah, and he's a bit he's a bit world weary for Romeo, yeah. isn't he? Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's too old for Romeo. Yes. Bless him. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame, really. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's past it. I fancy an older Romeo. <laughs> We could what about do with going one? into debt in a really, you know, let's do Titus Andronicus and oh, yes. people chopped up in pies and all that. No, I mean, that's wow's I read this. I've got to read this out because I found this. this uh, I found this infographic on the internet, which gives you all the, very nicely all the murders in all of the Shakespeare plays. And Titus Andronicus has actually got two lines of murders because there are so many. <laughs> so um, all the alibis. His arms and legs are cut off and then he's thrown into a fire. People are stabbed and baked into a pie, feeded to and then fed to somebody else. Somebody dies of indigestion. Somebody's hands and tongues are cut off and then they're stabbed. Then somebody else is stabbed. And then somebody else is stabbed. A couple of people are beheaded. The clown is hung. Some two other people are stabbed. <laughs> and then Aaron is buried to his neck and starves. And that's wow. all in Titus Andronicus. Well, now, which are the first two? Because when you said them, I thought of plots of modern things. The first two deaths were what? One had his arms and legs cut off and was thrown, thrown into, into a fire. Now, that's Twilight. That's how you kill a vampire. Oh, oh really? So that's a modern what's-it. Oh, a you modern don't what's it? through the heart? 
No, that's not that's old-fashioned vampires. That's old with yes, with modern vampires, they rip off their arms and legs and yeah. cut them in a fire. You have to do something more gruesome for teenagers. Fine, I'll remember that. <laughs> so that's a, so Twilight. That's taken that from Shakespeare. Right. What, what about was the, baked what? in a pie? Sweeney Todd and Sweeney Todd. And they were told halfway through their meal what they were eating. Oh. Oh, then you got Hannibal Lecter's coming in there with his noise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is this is really. I mean, there yeah. there are so many ways. I'm going to give this to Claire, and then I will. Yes, my characters. You can expect the them to be dying <laughs> in pies. Say, oh, I know where you got that from. Yeah, Claire. I totally want that. Absolutely. You know, this is a fabulous little thing. It's obviously it's obviously not meant to be taken too seriously. And I mean, and what was the what was the surfeit of lampreys? We spoke about this oh, on an yes. email, didn't we, Susie? We did. Um, who was that? I can't remember who died of a surfeit of lampreys. But I remembered that that's a Nio Marsh, because I'm a great fan of Nio Marsh, the crime writer. And she used that. And one of the titles Mm. of her book is A Surfeit of Lampreys. Well, there you go. So there you go. It's another Shakespearean reference. Oh, Shakespeare's coming into book four now. I'm I'm going to get him in there. And the Duke of Clarence, Butts of Malmsey. I don't know that one. I just wouldn't have fancied drinking that afterwards. (laughs) No, that would have been a bit, you know. Uh, it also contained, apparently, so I read, uh, it contained the severed heads of two hogs. Oh, I mean, the, the barrel. You do see butt. quite a few. I mean, there's a Midsummer Murders where people get tipped into beer things and then oh, people have been really? sampling it and there's a couple Ooh. of dead bodies floating in the old... They notice there's sort of a bit of a tannin uh, a of, taste. Oh, <laughs> God. Yes, it wasn't a bit of IPA or whatever. We've been talking oh, for an God. hour. I don't know why I was worried about having an hour-long show. <laughs> I don't know why you were worried. With us, no. with us in the power of Google, we've done yes. an amazing job. Yes, <laughs> and, and and Pauline has has brought the necessary gravitas. Yes, gravitas. Yeah. Yes. Oh dear, I hope I haven't been I too grabbed. I think you could read Shakespeare very well. You've got such a wonderful voice. No, I don't. Th- I don't. I found it hard doing the sonnets. I found it difficult. You do have a good voice. I think. I think we're more Victoria Wood. That's, yes, <laughs> that's our speed. Yeah, I can't quite. Can't but it's been lovely. It's been lovely. Thank you for an extended. Do it again, Susie. Do an extended yes. talking books on another yes. theme. I mean, we can Absolutely. think of a million different themes. Obviously, we started at the top with Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we could think of all sorts of things. We can. Mm. Yes, absolutely. We could have a field day. Get writing that book, Claire. I'll get, I'll get going. <laughs> it's been wonderful today. Are we going to finish with Prince? Because I think we're a little mm, bit... We, we missed out Cruel to be Kind by Nick Lowe, which is a great shame because when I was a teenager, he was my... I loved him, but I also loved Prince. So yeah. we're going to, as a mark of, of respect and honour to the great man, we're going to finish with possibly the sexiest song ever written, I think. Which is when After was, Victoria Woods. After Victoria Woods <laughs> and the Women's Weekly and the Balaclava. Yes, he can't match that. But thank you both. It's been lovely. Thank you. I've really enjoyed thank it. You, and do go and find out more about Claire's books. Yes, um, do. Yes, you haven't got a website, have you? I do. I'm on. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and I've yes. got Pan McMillan. If you search my name, I will come yes, up. Yes, she comes up. So you do look, and you can get them from all good local bookshops. All shops. good lo- retailers. Yes, yes, you can. Absolutely. Um, so thank you, and thank you. we're going to end with Prince. Yeah, this is uh, the artist formerly known as Prince, and uh, when doves cry.
Let's in bloom. 